Welcome to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer, sitting in for Stephen Henderson, who's on a much-deserved vacation this week. Really looking forward to the show today. We've got a lot of really good stuff coming up. Uh, Later in the show, we're going to talk with poet and playwright Sonia Sanchez, someone who was right at the heart of the black arts movement back in the 1960s and 70s. She's going to talk about her career uh, being honored here in Detroit over the weekend at the Charles H. Wright Museum poetry, uh, race, and sort of the role that words have in our society in 2017. It's a great discussion. I'm really looking forward to that. Hold on to, uh, you know, make sure that you're listening uh, later on in the show for that. It's going to be a very good discussion. Uh, And if you're just heading into work today or moving on with your day, uh, you can hear today's full edition of Detroit Today on the Detroit Today podcast. You can download and subscribe on iTunes or wherever podcasts are available. Uh, First up today, this week marks the end of President Trump's first 100 days in office. There's been no shortage of headlines, of course, generated from the White House in these 100 days. But what has changed politically, socially, and policy-wise across the country since January? And what have the early days of Trump's presidency meant for the economy and politics right here in Michigan? Here to help us sort some of those questions out are Rick Pluta. He's the State Capitol Bureau Chief at the Michigan Public Radio Network. Hi, Rick. Good morning, Jake. And we also have Charles Ballard, a Michigan State University economist and professor. Charles, uh, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me on the program, Jake. Yeah, and uh, so, you know, this is a lot to unpack. I mean, there's so many different angles that we could start from, but I kind of want to start at the beginning. It seems like the first big controversy that uh, happened after the inauguration was uh, surrounded immigration and some of the, uh, the the immigration restrictions that were were put in place. And, and Rick, I, I want to get your take on, I mean, this was especially big here in Michigan. This was maybe the thing that we heard the most about uh, in the, the earliest days of the Trump administration so far. What was the effect? Uh, you know, what, what is your takeaway on uh, what what this meant for uh, us here in Michigan when when uh, all this went down? Well, it showed that the administration was coming in and willing to uh, 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 court a lot of consternation. That uh, what what happened with the travel ban is we have a concentration of Arab Americans in um, in in Southeast Michigan, and so uh, it, it's a group that just felt personally affected and personally targeted uh, by that. And and you know we saw the impact at Detroit Metro Airport where people were uh, were stopped and held. So a lot of controversy, a lot of of consternation right out of the gate. And, and, and it's interesting. Uh, we, we spoke with uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin, presidential historian, uh, last week mm-hmm. on the show about the first 100 days, and she said it was sort of surprising to her that she would start out with, or that, that President Trump would start out with something as explosive as uh, putting travel restrictions on immigrants and, and going after visas and, and people who are here legally and, and so forth, it, you know, uh, that, that we didn't start with something like infrastructure or something like that. You know, it certainly sent a very clear message off the, the, the beginning of the presidency that he was not worried or concerned about, um, you know, uh, starting off with these sort of explosive headlines, right? Yeah, it, it, it wasn't a, 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 a come-together moment. It was a choose-sides moment. And, you know, that's exactly what happened. And, you know, what we found was that the opening days, at least, of the uh, Trump administration were not unlike the uh, the, the presidential campaign. I mean, it, it, it certainly wasn't a surprise in many respects. 
Um, and, and what, what I mean, in your assessment, what do you think we can see going forward? It seems like that has sort of quieted down after the uh, the decisions that were made in federal court. Uh, court you know, decisions, yeah. No, a number of those. Uh, what is uh, what, for people here, especially in Southeast Michigan, who are concerned about uh, being affected by these travel bans? Uh, do you do you sense that uh, this is something that we're going to hear a lot about over the next uh, three years or four years, or do you think that? Uh, oh, sure. I mean, you know, right now, you know, the 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 topic du jour is the wall. Um, you know, uh, the the wall between the United States and Mexico that President Trump promised to build and was you know just now taken off the table as part of the uh, budget negotiations in Washington DC but 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 that issue isn't uh, you know isn't isn't going away and I, I think we can expect to see more of the same what I mean, what we're seeing here and you know if, if, if you want to see an example close to home look at Governor Snyder is you know what happens when someone comes from the private sector into the public sector especially in an executive position and you know as, as Donald Trump famously said I, I, I think on, on a couple of issues that oh this is tougher than it you know than it seems at first, this is more complicated than it uh, than it seemed at first, and that uh, you know, instituting a travel ban wasn't as simple as signing an executive order. He found out that that there are parameters around executive authority, and that's what uh, you know um, the administration seems to be navigating right now. Yeah, sure. Um, you're, you're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer, sitting in for Stephen Henderson today, who's on vacation this week. We're talking about what President Trump's first 100 days in office has meant for politics, policy, and the economy right here in Michigan. I'm joined by Michigan Public Radio's Rick Pluta, as well as MSU economist Charlie Ballard. And, and Charlie, I wanted to get your take uh, on the economic aspect of, of this, that Trump really came in. He was voted in and won Michigan by a narrow margin, largely on uh, his promise to sort of rebuild manufacturing and in turn the middle class uh, in states like Michigan. I mean, Michigan wasn't the only state, obviously. It was many states with very deep manufacturing backgrounds um, surprised uh, many of us by voting for Trump. Um, what have the first hundred days uh, told us about the direction that he's going in that regard? And are there any signs to suggest that um, that he's keeping those promises? Well, I uh, to echo some of the things that Rick said. Uh, I think the the thing that we've learned more than anything else uh, in the first hundred days is that the United States is still a uh, uh, has a lot of checks and balances. We have courts that can. Uh, block executive orders. We have a Congress where I don't think President Trump has a working majority, uh, at least not on everything. Uh, the the health care bill uh, uh, almost exactly a month ago was pulled from the floor by Speaker Ryan because they simply weren't able to get enough uh, votes in the House of Representatives. And even if they had passed it in the House of Representatives, I think its uh, future in the Senate was uh, very, very dim. Um, the uh, it, it, the wall hasn't happened yet. Now, the travel ban, as Rick said, has caused some dislocation. We certainly felt that here at Michigan State University and, and any other university, because of course, uh, higher ed has lots of international connections. We have international scholars who travel to and from the United States. So that caused some inconvenience, um, but it hasn't, um, it hasn't, uh, and now things have sort of calmed down. So I think the, the net effect 
so far is uh, rather small. I, I was scratching my head this morning thinking, what has really changed in a substantial way um, in the economy? And there isn't much. Now, one thing that I think has changed, and at least partly due to Trump's election, is that the stock market has done very well. Mm-hmm. I think that's because of the promises that there would be tax cuts on businesses and deregulation. Uh, But those, of course, haven't happened yet. The stock market, in my view, some of that run-up is in anticipation or in hope that there would be a a very pro-business set of policies. But 100 days is really not a very long time. Mm -hmm. And um, especially in our system, which the Founding Fathers deliberately put in a bunch of checks and balances to make it uh, difficult for uh, one person to uh, to to run run alone. Yeah, and and that's something that I was hoping to get uh, listeners' uh, opinions on uh, today. You know, what what uh, beyond just you know what grade you might give uh, President Trump's first hundred days? I'm curious uh, if, if you're listening. Um, if you think it's fair to judge a president this early on, I mean, think about being in a job for 100 days. Think about when you start a job yourself, you know, after three months, how do you, uh, is it fair to to give really an overall assessment of how you are doing in that job and how you will do in that job? Uh, if you want to join the conversation, please dial 313-577-1019. You can comment on our Facebook page or use the hashtag Detroit Today. And again, what has been your impression of Donald Trump's first 100 days in office and what grade would you give the early days of the presidency and why? Again, that number is 313-577-1019. And, and uh, yeah, Charlie Ballard, I, I wanted to, to continue that with you. I mean, uh, when it comes to really trying to talk about big economic shifts of any presidency, I mean, can we even tell that after four years? Can we even tell that after eight years? I mean, is is there any amount of time uh, in in the near future that we actually will be able to give a very sort of clear assessment of, of any president's uh, track record on the economy? Well, I think for, uh, uh, for presidents and for governors, uh, we have a very big tendency to overstate the amount to which they can change things. Uh, you can certainly ident- – it's easy for me to identify two presidencies – where within days after the president coming to office, things had changed in a very big way. One, of course, is Abraham Lincoln, who faced the uh, uh, secession of the <laughs> Confederate States and, and uh, uh, had to take action, which eventually led to the Civil War. Uh, the other is Franklin Roosevelt in 1933. The, the economy of the United States was collapsing. And uh, the Hoover administration had done very, very little. Um, and uh, it was under Roosevelt's 100 days. That's, that's where we get the phrase 100 days. So the, right. the Roosevelt's uh, first 100 days, there was banking legislation. The banks were reopened. The economy, um, by 1936, had recovered all or almost all of the ground that was lost during the worst years of the Great Depression. So. There's an example where you can say, wow, so that president really made a difference. But in most cases, things are sort of incremental. Uh, there are big forces at play in the world and within the country that, uh, that mean that the president may be able to guide some things. Um, but 
most presidents, as I read the history, most presidents have had some effect, but they didn't turn the ship of state 180 degrees around. Sure. And, uh, and Jake, I, I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, it, it, it may or may not be fair to judge a president based on their first 100 days. And certainly historically, we won't. It's just we're at the 100 day mark. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we do judge presidents based on campaign promises. And President Trump did put out a 100 day agenda. That's right. Things that he said he would accomplish in the first 100 days. So, you know. He might call it a a false benchmark, but it's a benchmark that he adopted during the campaign. Sure, that's fair. And and I, I want to get some uh, listeners in on the conversation. Uh, Denise from Sterling Heights, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Um, I just wanted to repeat and re- reflect upon a comment that you did make. And I think in this situation, it's absolutely fair to judge this particular president on his uh, accomplishments in the first 100 days. And that's simply because he was so boastful and full of himself and I'm going to do this, I'm going to completely change government, I'm going to do all these dramatic things, and we come to the 100-day mark and he hasn't done those things. Um, and I think his his level of accomplishment is going to be compared to Barack Obama. Barack Obama did some very effective and dramatic things in his first 100 days, and that was just in the situation. But I think in Donald Trump's case, he brought this uh, this critique upon himself. Well, and, and, and I think the other thing, too, is that it's not just the campaign. I mean, it's what he's been saying for years now, right? But what he's been critiquing, uh, what's been happening under the Obama administration and even before that uh, on Twitter, of course, has been his platform of choice. And that hasn't really changed. But uh, the fact is, is it seems like this is a guy who um, wanted to sort of put his vision out there for a really long time, what would happen. And so I, I, I guess um, it would be interesting to see how people feel about, uh, you know, holding him to these things. I mean, we keep hearing about these learning curves uh, that that he's changing his opinions about many things, uh, Southeast Asia policy and so forth uh, on, on the fly here and, and really going back on some of those things. But these are things he's been talking about for a really long time. Um, uh, Charles Ballard, I'm, I'm curious, uh, when it comes to China, uh, you know, uh, the obviously major trading partner, Michigan is, a, you know, one of those manufacturing states. I'm curious what you think of that aspect of uh, where Trump is going right now in terms of uh, trade policy. How might that affect us? And do you think we're going in, a, in, an interesting, in a good direction here? Well, I, I have been glad that uh, the overheated rhetoric, or what I perceive to be overheated rhetoric, uh, against international trade has calmed down uh, considerably. Um, when I look at our trading partnership with uh, China, um, you do have a problem. There, it's undeniably true that American manufacturing has has been hurt by competition from uh, China. There are Americans who have lost their jobs as a result of that. But um, the sort of meat axe approach to international trade, uh, huge tariffs on China, would certainly invite retaliation and I think would be very likely to send the world economy into uh, a global recession. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's such a thing as you've got a problem, but the cure is worse than the disease. So I am glad that we're, if we're going to try to do things about trade, I hope we do them in a very careful and thoughtful and gentle way instead of just blowing up the whole system. Uh, One other thing that I think is worth noting about trade, um, whether you like the North American Free Trade Agreement or not, the supply chain between Michigan and Ontario is fully integrated. 
the it's just there are parts that go back and forth across uh the bridge um over the Detroit River every day in in both directions um and if we were to really pull back from the um open border arrangement with Canada that would cause a huge amount of dislocation for Michigan so i i hope again that we're careful and thoughtful and that we don't just uh, leap to conclusions uh, about international trade. Sure. Yeah, Charlie Charlie just raised a really really important point for Michigan and don't think that 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 Governor Snyder who put a lot of, you know, his own political capital on the line to get a new border crossing um, built in Detroit, right. or it's yes. going to be built in Detroit in order to do exactly that and there is big concern here in Michigan with the auto companies, manufacturers, and uh, Governor Snyder, whose vision for Michigan, his long-term vision for Michigan, is that it's at the center of an economic zone that sort of runs from Quebec to Chicago. And they're really concerned about uh, border restrictions that, you know, everyone is looking at the nation's southern border, but uh, looking at them being sort of universally applied and getting in the way of the um, relationship between the U.S. and Canada. Well, we're going to take a short break. Uh, that's a perfect place to end off because I want to talk about how Trump's first 100 days has affected politics here in Michigan. Lots of political news to go around. And we will get to that with Rick Pluta of the Michigan Public Radio Network and Charlie Ballard, MSU economist. We'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. WDET, bringing you culture and information that empowers our community. Every day. On 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer, sitting in the host seat today for Stephen Henderson, who's on break this week. And we are talking about how President Trump's first 100 days in office is affecting us right here in Michigan, the economy, our environment, and uh, politics here in Michigan. We actually had some very big political news uh, in Michigan recently. Uh, Michigan's Lieutenant uh, Governor Brian Kelly, I guess you could say teasing a... Uh, a run for governor. I, I would say it might have been even more accurate to say that he is uh, announcing that he's going to announce for all intents that, and that, purposes. That would be accurate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and I think we have a clip of the ad that he uh, put up on his website with a countdown clock to where we pr- presume that he's going to make that announcement. Here's a clip from that ad. It's not the grandstanding that matters. It's winning for you. Like right to work. Scrapping the old tax code. Balancing the budget so we don't shackle our kids with debt. I never raised my voice, but we got the right things done. And will again. So, and will again, uh, sort of, uh, um, you know. uh, No, do it right. (laughs) Oh, and will again, right? Um, (laughs) From the throat. There you go. So, uh, you know, but but there's a lot to unpack in just that that short clip, and it ties right into the conversation we're having right now about Trump, I think. Um, uh, Rick, I mean, it sounds to me like uh, Brian Kelly, a Republican in Michigan, is sort of setting himself as a 
if anything, anti-Trump. Anti right. He mm -hmm. he came out and, and, early and he endorsed Trump early on, but uh, I mean, it's sort of reluctantly well, because he wasn't he was his... with John Kasich, right? And then um, he equivocated for a while. You know, Kasich, remember, famously refused to endorse Trump and said that right. he didn't vote for him. He wrote in uh, John McCain. Um, and, well, and and I, we'll, we will see if the Republican Party become the, the Republican primary for governor next year becomes a proxy battle between the Trump and 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 the anti-Trump. And right. there are several candidates who are already in that primary, but the attention is focused largely now on Cali versus Attorney General Bill Schuette, mm -hmm. who has also all but announced that he plans to run for the Republican nomination. Uh, a couple governor. of the worst kept secrets in Lansing, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, Brian Kelly saying in that that clip, you know, I never raised my voice. It's not, not about grand. Standing, I don't yeah. raise my voice. And, you know, remember that, that that he was super equivocal. He, he, you know, endorsed John Kasich and then waited to endorse Trump and then endorsed Trump and then then withdrew his endorsement after the um, that 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 video came out. And then at, you know, afterwards, after the election, said that he did, in fact, vote for Trump because his wife urged him to, as opposed to Bill Schuette, who said, you know, I ride for the brand and mm. um, got on the Trump train and stayed with it all the way uh, all the way to the end. And, and that is why right now Bill Schuette is the pipeline into the Trump political machine and not anyone in the, the, the Snyder administration. Sure. And, and I want to get a couple of callers in here before we have to, to wrap this up. Uh, Chris from Ann Arbor, uh, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, yes. Uh, good morning. Um, I just wanted to say it seems like the only thing that Trump's been successful at is uh, funneling money from the government coffers into his own private businesses with all his travel to resorts and his uh, golf courses and, and then putting his own family members in charge of huge chunks of the government. Everything else he's tried to do has been a, a failure or a total reversal of what he said he would do. Huh, that's interesting. Uh, uh, Charlie Ballard, I'm curious about uh, your take on, uh, you know, how much uh, a president spends in, in uh, you know, his chair and not not out golfing and doing things like that. What, what are your what do you think about what Chris has to say there that basically this has been uh, one long vacation sort of uh, marked with a couple of failures in between? Well, it is certainly true that uh, President Trump uh, is, is different from previous presidents in that he owns a lot of properties. And there's been a huge amount of concern expressed by people all over the political spectrum about whether that would influence his, uh, his policies. Uh, we'll, we'll get a taste of that uh, very soon when um, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the Turkish president who is really now becoming much more like a dictator, comes to Washington. And, and uh, there's concern that President Trump, because he has properties in Turkey, won't uh, speak harshly about the end of democracy in Turkey. Um, you look at the policies that, as we've said, not a whole lot has happened, actually. There hasn't been many there haven't been many uh, laws implemented uh, that does contrast. Uh, the previous uh, caller mentioned uh, the beginnings of the Obama administration. The first piece of legislation signed by Barack Obama was the Fair Pay Act, which made it more difficult for employers to discriminate against women. Uh, but anyhow, it, not a whole lot has been accomplished in the first 100 days of the Trump administration. Uh, but if you look at the things that he has advocated for, an awful lot of them are really, really beneficial to people like Donald Trump and Ivanka Trump. He would mm. 
uh, he would uh, repeal the estate tax, and that we'll see whether that happens uh, later this year. That would funnel many, many more millions into the hands of his heirs when he dies, assuming that he has a will that leaves his money to his heirs. He would dramatically, uh, and we may see the announcement tomorrow, he's said that he would have tax cuts in the income tax, which um, what he campaigned on would give the average citizen a very small tax cut, but it would give millionaires enormous tax cuts. And um, that would, of course, be helpful to Donald Trump, or at least we think it would, although we're not sure exactly because we've never seen his tax returns. Sure, right. Are you optimistic that we will see his tax returns at this point? We will never see his tax returns. (laughs) Is that unanimous? I... I, I don't want to say never, but uh, he's he's certainly made it difficult. Although there are, there are uh, you know little bits of his tax return did get leaked. We'll see whether that happens again. Yeah, you know, won't see the whole thing. Sure. Although, you know, Jake, we should talk about the impact of um, Trump policy proposals on Michigan. Well, sure. And, and, and one the, of uh, one of the things I wanted to get to was uh, the the Great Lakes. Obviously, that would be it would be sort of um, uh, absurd for us to talk about the first 100 days and how they've affect Michigan without talking about the Great Lakes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he's talking about eliminating funding for the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative, which would if if that was adopted and 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 I doubt it will happen, but in 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 total if it was adopted it would bring funding for Great Lakes restoration and cleanup efforts back to where they were in 1977. Mm. You know, the, the, you know where they were at, uh, you know, 40 years ago. And you know, we're talking about money that you know, just to name one, half of the money that we have uh, for fighting invasive species and keeping Asian carp out of the Great Lakes system comes from that, uh, you know, that initiative. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Now, there is probably the political clout and Congress in Michigan and the rest of the Great Lakes states to avert um, um, a complete elimination of funding for that. But everyone is expecting that there will be at least some reduction in funding for that. And there's concern about what areas that might what areas those might be in, and then what the the, the, the ripple effects will be. Also, mm-hmm. you know, that the, the administration, the Trump administration is talking about eliminating a lot of federal responsibilities and handing them back over to the states, which, you know, sounds like, you know, sort of, you know, some 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 nice anti-federalism. But (laughs) in fact, if the states get those responsibilities, then they have to fund them. They have to staff them. They have to implement them. So what things are going to be eliminated in order for the state to either do that or decide not to do that? Yeah. Um, We should point out that Michigan um, um, and and environmentalists and environmental regulators, and although they might be begrudging about admitting it, like the fact that Michigan administers its own wetlands program, and we don't know if that might be threatened. Yeah, well, uh, unfortunately, we have to leave it there. Thank you so much to Rick Pluta and Charlie Ballard for joining us today. Uh, Really appreciate your insights, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure. Coming up next, we'll talk with poet and playwright Sonia Sanchez, a central figure in the black arts movement. Uh, She'll talk about her career and being honored here in Detroit over the weekend. Stay tuned for that. You're listening to Detroit Today.